guys, just let let him let them be in love. Let them be she in went, love. She went. She's watched the Jets uh, against this. Like, think about the yeah. teams that she's watched. Uh, that that's that's a sign of the commitment of the relationship. The game she's showing up for. <laughs>
I mean, I, I don't know how that happens, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, but then you look at the Minnesota Vikings, you, you win two straight. But it's that defense, right? It's that defense that was all world beaters, that was letting Brock and the offense just get this lead and just going back and just teeing off because teams were having to throw the ball. Well, guess what? They threw the ball from the start of the, of the game last night till the end of the game, and Kirk, like, couldn't miss. And, and I will say, like, Kirk was getting pressured, just not like, uh, not like you know, San Francisco's used to. So they were, they were getting after him. Kirk was doing, actually, like, some of the better jobs I've seen in the National Football League of just moving in the pocket, just slight movements, finding his second read, and just for some for all that talk about Kirk Cousins not being, you know, a primetime quarterback, this yeah. this might be like a signature win for them. And you look at their schedule, right? I know we're talking about San Francisco, but you look at Minnesota Vikings schedule, like it's winnable. Like like the next four or five games, they can make some make some hay uh, coming up. They can, but I, I, I'm sorry, I find their goal line sequencing laughable, right? They had yeah. two situations, like first and goal from the two. And it was all you, if someone had said, why are the Minnesota Vikings without a rushing touchdown? All you had to do was look at those two goal line sequences. And goes, I get it. They are terrible at this. Like, they were so comically bad. They were so comically bad. I felt bad for them while I was watching it. Yeah, I mean, I did too. And, and you look at that, and it's just like, it, like inside the one or two yard line, you're in goal line. Just run the ball, like just yeah. just go right down the, their throat. And if anyone wants a, a, a good idea of what a goal line offense should look like, look at Andy Reid the past ten years. Look at yeah. how crazy and creative and unique he gets in just giving guys different looks like there's one of the best inside the five teams from the past 10 years because he just comes up with all sorts of crazy stuff and it works i guess you you know you come up with crazy stuff like like it was comical for them and it doesn't work you like oh man like we're, we're back to, to drawing board yeah it was i mean i really i was like it was like cringeworthy i was like is it over yet did they kick the field goal is it over i, I can't watch it couldn't I can't watch, watch it. it couldn't watch it right. yeah now now let's play the real contrarian here from from minnesota and tell me what you think about this was it in their best interest to win that game and let me be clear i'm not talking about the players i'm not talking about the coaches okay i'm not talking about that because we all know the, the tape will tell whether or not you guys the the only teams the only way a team can purposely lose is if they make executive decisions, right? Th yep. Those are executive decisions by how players get on the field. Kirk Cousins is not going to be their quarterback next year, all right? They – look, if, if they win the next six games, then they're in it. Great. But would it have been better for them at the trade, which is exactly what Tennessee is doing right now. Tennessee is like, this ain't happening, so we're getting yep. rid of our pieces yep. and we're getting ready for the big rebuild. I mean, Mike Vrabel and, and, and Rand Carthen, that's what they're doing. They are doing that. Would it be better in the long run for Minnesota to do that? And would that be easier for them if they had lost? Well, I mean, of course it'd be easier for them if they lost. But it, you, at the end of the day, man, like, like what happens? Let's play hypotheticals. What happens yeah. if Minnesota goes on a run and wins eight of their next ten? And all of a sudden, Kirk Cousins is all world beater. Do you keep him as your quarterback? Because you're not getting picks yeah. in the draft. What do yeah. you do? Because you've paid him. Do you pay him again? Yeah. Just one more Kirk Cousins year. I oh know the fans God. in Minnesota are probably <laughs> thinking, oh, my God, no, make it stop. But Kirk O'Chains, dude, he just keeps showing up. Like, it just keeps yeah. showing up. And, and he just makes you – and when you want to write him off. And even yeah. on this pod, I said it too. I said, hey, trade him. He needs to go to the Jets. Yeah. 
Only yeah. that's happening if the Jets keep winning, which they sort of have. You know, they're they're yeah. they're about five hundred, and then Minnesota yeah. falters. Well, Minnesota didn't yeah. falter, so that narrative's out the window. He ain't going nowhere. And by the way, they do this against probably the best defense without the best receiver in all of football. Like yeah. Jordan Addison said, "Hey, hey, look at me, world. Look, look what I can yeah. do. I'm announcing myself to the world with two touchdown passes." So imagine when he gets back, and they just have to like. I've been on some Saints teams that have been so good at throwing the ball, but there's no balance at all. Like, if they can yeah. just, like, up their average to 100 yards a game, like 100 yards rushing a game, triple digits, like, they would be that much better. And they just don't have, they just don't have a runner right now to do that. But if they yeah. continue to pick up steam well, they're, they're runners win, on the Jets. Some, win some games, yeah, yeah, they're, they, yeah, they don't want to pay him either, Which he's not, doing anything, he's not doing anything right now either. Yeah. Okay, by the way, did you watch the regular game or the Manning cast? I watched the regular game. I don't watch Manning Cast, okay. but I heard it was hilarious. Okay. Well, the reason I bring that up is because you mentioned the Jets. You know, Aaron yeah. Rodgers has been on this, uh, my Achilles is remarkable tour. This is the most amazing thing. I'm defying science because I don't believe in science and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. And it was pretty clear. They asked him because Eli asked him on the, on the Manning Cast. He said, yeah. uh, okay, we've never broken any news on the Manning Cast. So what week this season are you coming back? And, you know, that's been the whole thing he's been putting out there. It's yeah. been like, I'm going to try and come back. He could not have walked that back more oh, after, after all this. He was like, well, you know, the whole goal is to come back. And I, and I have to, you know, I have to safeguard and protect. My, it was like, let's rewind that thing. And, like, it never happened. So, Jets fans, read between the lines with what you heard from Aaron Rodgers last night. Because he was basically saying, listen, that was a fun idea, but my doctors are telling me, you're out of your fucking mind. That's exactly, that's exactly what that interview was. So, just understand that. He's talking a big game on the Pat McAfee show, right? And then he gets yeah, on national yeah. audience TV and is like, ah, oh, yeah. let me walk that back. That's hilarious. I got to watch that segment. That's hilarious. Uh, it's, it's, it was pretty interesting because it was a definite shift in tone there. Hey, if he comes <laughs> back, awesome. Good for him. Fantastic. But he, even he was saying, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, so San Francisco was in a little bit of a spiral. Minnesota is still in this thing. Remember everybody had the panic after week one? Oh my God, what's wrong with Kansas City? The receivers are terrible. Kelsey's hurt. Chris Jones is holding out. Boy, does that seem like a long time ago. Because it just kind of feels like the best team in football is still the best team in football. <laughs> exactly that. The best team in football. Put me on the bus that was not freaking out when they lost the Lions. I know. The Lions were a good team. Both. We you weren't freaking both. out. And you've always been on that bus, bro. Like, I'm going to like call it yeah. how it is. Like, every time they falter a little bit early in the season, everyone wants to write them off because, hey, they can't do it for six years in a row. You've always been like, hey, easy. They got Patrick Mahomes, man, and Travis Kelsey. Like, oh, by the way, their defense is like their best defense that Andy Reid's ever had in the history of coaching. Yeah. You guys just need to pump the brakes a little bit. But, man, did they ever look. I mean, it was close there, right? Like, the yeah. Chargers-Chiefs games, it was close there for a little bit. And then, and yeah. then Chargers just – Chargered, but we'll Chargered. talk about that later. Yeah, we'll Chargers, get, we'll Chargers. Get, we'll get, we'll we'll get, get to, to that, that in a second. Yeah. But, you know, it was – and, and you know, the, the loss of Nick Bolton is significant for Kansas City. Oh, that, that kid, geez. and you know as a Mizzou guy, he, he's significant. But this might be the one year defensively where they can cope with losing a guy like Nick Bolton because yeah. – you got a Menahu coming after the six-game suspension. God, he was a monster in that game. Had a lot of pressures, had a sack, impressive. had the batted pass that led to an interception for Herbert uh, in, in the red zone situation. You have Chris Jones. You have Willie Gay. You have Chanel. You have Karloftis. They have playmakers on every level of that defense. I don't think Kansas City 
since the mid-90s has had the defense that they can trot out there right now. And oh, by the way, they also have the best player on the planet. <laughs> Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby. And that's, the, yeah, I mean, yeah. look, look, I'm wearing a Mizzou shirt. Luther Burden right here, Mizzou. They're ranked 16th in the country. Shout out my guy, uh, Nick Bolton. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough task to replace him. But it just seems like there's so much better in every spot on that yeah. defense, including, the, you know, I didn't think, because we've played them a lot, obviously, over the past two years when I was with the Chargers. And I just thought Spags could not get more aggressive. And boy, was I wrong. Because the dude is more, like, he's blitzing almost every snap. And it's always a double-edged pressure. You know it's coming. You know how to pick it up. And teams still get bogged down by it. And half the time, they're only bringing four because they're dropping both DNs. And they're playing this palms coverage behind it. And it's just difficult. But the way they're playing, they played a lot of rookies last year. Those rookies right now are are paying off. They go out and get Drew Tranquil, who had a a game-ending pretty much sack for them. Like, how good... Of a feeling was that for him because I know I know the guy he wanted Over to sign Chargers. back with the Chargers right he wanted to sign back with the Chargers big time they didn't say hey and he reads said hey we got a spot for you come over here and it makes a big play like that he'll be thrust into the position even more moving forward yeah and, and one thing people are like when Michael Harbin uh, went back to the Chiefs I heard a lot of people say he's a gadget player what's he gonna do for them well just go look at the first game back okay he made two of the biggest plays in that game. The punt yeah. return that set them punt up for return. the go-ahead touchdown. And then on third down, when they got inside, when they were inside the, the, the red zone, it was, it was a crossing route across the middle, and Miko's speed enabled him to get open, pick up the first down, next play, Isaiah Pacheco touchdown pass yep. from Patrick Holmes, game over. So Miko Hardman makes everybody on that receiving unit better. And oh, by the way, yeah. we saw a huge play from Mark, Marcos Valdez-Scantling. We saw another touchdown from Rashi Rice. I mean... It, it's a little thing, but it goes a long way because of the trust that Patrick Mahomes has in Nicole Hardman for all the years past. And that's the biggest thing we've talked about, or at least I've talked about uh, this whole year with the Chiefs. It's it's their receivers. They're ranked bottom half, bottom like third of the league, twentieth or above, and every or twentieth or below in every single receiving category, right? And what did that tell you for the longest time? Well. First of all, you got Travis Kelsey, you don't need it. But Patrick Mahomes just wasn't on the same page with him. Brett Beach goes out, gets Miko Hardman back. Okay, everyone just gets a little bit better. And you're just going to continue to see this trust build. And that's the biggest thing for Patrick because all these guys, all these receivers, Trey, they're really young. And that means if they can just come along enough, think about how many years in this system, if they continue to stick with their guys, like how good they're going to get because Patrick's just going to continue being Patrick. Kelsey's like the guy that doesn't age, 34-year-old, like like alien out there. Like, I just don't get it. He had over yeah. 100 yards receiving in the, in the – like 150 yards receiving in the first half, which is yeah. absurd, right? He, he is the greatest tight end of all time. And then you bring along those receivers slowly. It has been slowly because we're into week seven. Okay, and they finally ended up making some plays for Patrick down the stretch. That's got to that's gotta promote this trust between a quarterback and receiver. Yeah, the, the, we haven't seen the best of the offense yet, and the, the Chiefs' defense is – maybe top five, which is a remarkable thing considering where they've been the last couple of years. You mentioned the Chargers. Now, obviously, you spent a bunch of years there. How, when you saw the Chiefs on the schedule, because the, the games are always close. This was the first game in the Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes era when they were both starting yep. that, that, that didn't up being, ended up being a one-score game. Cool. There were overtime games. There were the, the overtime game on the, the Thursday night a few years ago. There was the Sunday night game where there were all those lead changes. As Chargers... Did, did you just walk into a game thinking, man, how, how are they going to do it to us again? And what's it like when a team sort of lives in your head rent-free? 
Well, I mean, listen, we never thought that going in. We were all, actually, we, it was the opposite. No, it sure. was the opposite because we always played them well. You bet. We always played you them bet. really well. And, and at lost. the end of the day, it was, it was Mahomes. At the end of the day, it was Mahomes. <laughs> listen, look, like, that's who ended up coming through at the, at the end. But I think that, I mean, that's, that's the story of the Chargers versus the Chiefs. That's the story of the Broncos versus the Chiefs. All these division yeah. opponents just, I think he's got, in all of his years starting, he's got three division losses. Like, that's it. He's like twenty nine and three. He's twenty nine and three. I knew stat machine. There you go. Twenty nine and three. Like, come on. Like, so. And it seems to me, if you remember back at uh, the beginning of last year, it was like every defense in the AFC West was just gearing up yeah, to rush and load it up. And and how did that work for you? How did that work for you? It didn't work very well because no. the Chiefs said, "Ah, we're good. We're going to go out and get two more tackles. We're going to get Creed Humphrey. We're going to get all these linemen. We're going to also get better on defense. And by the way, we're going to end up being the best defense in the AFC West." So it's just laughable. And honestly, like like forty thousand foot view up, you have to give a ton of credit to Brett Veach for building this team oh, and absolutely. continuing it, continuing to, he doesn't get enough credit in my opinion, because when he took over, it was, Hey, it was Andy's show and his show. And now it's like, it's leaning toward Veach's show. And, and obviously Andy has final say in the roster spots. But when you continue to just look at this entire process and you just go up here and look down on Brett Veach's years as a GM, like everything about it is a historical run in my opinion. And he just keeps making plays and it's just it's like not it's in it, the thing about it is the thing that's crazy about it when you really look into it, it's none of these major home run hits other than Mahomes, right yeah. kelsey was already there but the it's pieces. just constantly little bitty pieces that are really good and really fit their system and really know how to win and then andy reed getting it all together for everyone yeah all right. uh, we'll move on but this is my favorite patrick Mahomes stat of all time he has never lost a road division game He's How? never lost How? a road division game in his career. He's never That's gone absurd. to Vegas. He's never gone to wherever the Chargers have been. He's never gone to Denver and come away with an L. Every time he goes somewhere on the road in the division, they walk away with a win. It's insane. That's why The Chargers, how, how, how bad are the problems? Is it time to hit the button and say, redo? Well, I, you know, that, that is something that when, when Chinch, our producer, put it in the rundown, I just, that's the one thing I wanted to focus on the most because I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. a lot of people would just say from the outside, absolutely, toss it all away, throw it. The thing is, they have so much talent. There's no question about that. Is that right? a good thing or a bad so, thing? Well, you think I, I don't know. It. I mean, it, it, it is at the end of the day, it comes down to that talent making plays on the field. Like, yeah. I, I know we've been harsh with Brandon Staley and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, like those players got to look within and be like, yo, like we have talent. What are we going to do about it? The coaches can only put us in so many situations at the end of the day. And every coach would tell you this. It's players not plays. So you can put you in the right position. And sometimes they're in bad positions. I get it. Sometimes you can fault coaching. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, hey, at the, like, you guys got what it takes, and it just can't seem to break through. It's almost like they need that like three to four to five game run of wins and winning handily and really coming together, sort of like we did um, last year down the stretch. I think we run like yeah. seven to ten down the stretch, and obviously everyone knows what happened with the Jacksonville game and the playoffs. But we felt really good going to that game. We were playing really well. Our defense started playing well. And, and it just it, – it seems like they need something like that. I don't know if you need to like – throw away the entire franchise and start from new. I think they're just a few pieces away. 
And, and that's the thing, though. Like, since I've been covering media, right, which is just this year, I look back and everyone said that about the Chargers for 10 years, right? Like, it's just, it's always been that thing. So, so maybe yeah. there is a reason. I don't know, Trey, what do you think? Well, look, the, the most Charger stat of all time is 2010. They had the number one offense and the number one defense in the NFL and didn't oh make God. the postseason. Make the I mean, that's, that, that's just, like, that sums up the franchise. But, but more importantly, do you see things in Herbert that are different this year? Obviously, he's dealing with the fractured finger on the left hand. He missed some throws against the Cowboys yeah. that could have won the game for him. Yep. I thought he played pretty well against Kansas City, but he also missed I – mean, there were a couple of wide-open throws that could yeah. have been big plays, and he just missed them. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's so hard to, to say because everyone wants to talk about, hey, he's regressing, hey, he's regressing. Well, the last two years he's had some pretty major injuries. And yes. I don't want anyone to, talking about like, oh, it's your offhand throw, it doesn't matter. No, dude, yeah. like – it matters when you're hurt and you're playing hurt. He's not 100%. I thought Josh Palmer. And by the way, they're without Mike Williams. Yep. So he's having to trust other guys. They're doubling Keenan Allen. He can barely get the ball to Keenan Allen. So where'd he go? Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer had 133 yards. Like, that is good. Austin Eckler's not there. So he's having to do it himself. Like, X is not the same. He's having to do it no. himself. And when any quarterback tries to do it himself, I'm sorry, in the history of the game, you need 10 other players around you to make plays. So yeah. I don't fault Justin. Can he make those throws? Sure. But, like... I think from a perspective, this is totally non-biased perspectives. Like we give way too much blame for to the quarterbacks when stuff goes wrong and way too much credit when it goes right. That's just how it is. And guess what? You signed up for it. It's the National Football League. There, that will always be the case. But from my perspective, you can only be as good as the players around you. And so everyone just needs to step it up. And by the way, that offense, I mean, they're top 10 in almost every category in the, in the, in the NFL. So yeah. I don't know if it's if it's like we can't look at the last two Justin Herbert games, which by the way are the last two that he's played with a broken finger, and say, hey, like is 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 Justin you know chop liver? No, it's not. And and I just think they just need to continue to progress. Usually it's somewhere in between. He's not yeah. he's not playing at the level we've come to expect him. And remember, they walked into that Kansas City Chiefs game as the top two quarterbacks in NFL history in terms of passing yards per game. Yep. Patrick Mahomes literally walked in averaging three, averaging 300 yards a game for his career, yep. and he put up 420-something. And Herbert was second, like 280 or something. I can't, yeah, can't remember what it was. So it, right, but that I think that's why people are like, something doesn't seem a little right with him, and it, and it might be the injuries. But it does feel like we've been through this a hundred times as a Chargers fan. Like you've, I, yeah. This is how it always seems to go. Then there's Buffalo, and we've been on this for a couple of weeks, Chase. Yeah. I don't know how this team, in three weeks, loses to the Jags in London, is shut out for three frickin' quarters mm. against a New York Giants team, and then finds a way to lose to Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. Okay, We've been, we've been saying this for a while. What is it that you think isn't working in Buffalo? Because I have my own theories, but I want to hear what you think. I don't know. I mean, you look at those three games, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Giants, and who, who, uh, and then Mac Jones. And those yeah. are all winnable games, and that's what we've seen from Buffalo in the past. In my opinion, what it's looking like is that the window's closing and that it's closing really, really fast, okay? And look, we, I, we might look back on this in, in eight weeks and be like, oh my gosh, we were so wrong. Just like sort of Joe Burrow this year. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's working his way back in. And since he's going to make a run, I'm sure be up there with the top AFC teams. And that could very well be the case here. But it just looks like something's off on offense. Something's off with Josh Allen. And I've never really seen 
Josh Allen so dejected, like he was um, this past game after he was talking. He's like, I don't know what's wrong. We just need to watch film. We just need to yeah. fix it. Like, woe is me. If I'm there, I'm like, listen, I understand. Like, but don't let one or two losses, like, like snowball the entire season. Like, fix it. Get going. And I think we're going to see a lot about and what the Buffalo Bills are all about in the coming weeks. Yeah, look, here's the way I look at this three-game stretch. First of all, Jacksonville caught a break because they were over in London for two straight weeks. And Jacksonville's a pretty yeah. good team. So I, I, I'll, I, got, I got no issues there. Number two, there's no excuse to come out the way you did against the Buffalo against the Giants on that Sunday no. night game. They're, I'm sorry. You cannot be shut out by the New York Giants. And again, okay, some will say, well, Brian Dayball had the secret sauce because he was there with Josh Allen all those years. Fine. But you have better players. Like, like we said with the Chargers. You have better players. This game was maddening to me. The Patriots game. Yeah. Yeah. The first pass of the game, he throws an interception, and Jabril Peppers is just lurking. Like, it's right there, and he throws it right to him. I, I, I do think the injuries are beginning to catch up with him. Um, yeah. it is, it is, if you watched any of that, of the six plays that Von Miller played against the Patriots, shell of himself. Shell of yeah, himself. Not, he, got, not he, he got hurt. He tried to get off the field. It was a hurry-up situation, so he couldn't get off the field. He didn't play after that. He played only six plays. The loss of Matt Milano is huge. That guy does not get the credit he deserves. They've also been banged up on the defensive line. But that's the defensive side of it, okay? The offense, you have Stephon Diggs. You have Josh Allen. You have uh, Davis. You have all these weapons. And now they're going to be without uh, 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 Dawson, uh, Dawson for a couple of months. So yeah, the bigger – like I, I understand why people are scoring on them. Yeah. What I can't figure out is why they're not scoring. And that's, that's how they made their hay, right? Like, their defense yeah. is always pretty good, right? And Leslie yeah. Frazier and Sean McDermott, and, and obviously Sean McDermott's running it. That's always how they made their hay, right? The last couple of years is like, they've been a very explosive offense. And that's just not what I'm seeing right now. And it's not going to help when you lose your tight end. It's like, can you, how, how, how many different ways can you get Gabe Davis, Stephon Digg, all these guys involved with the offense? The run game's always been an issue there, right? Like, how many times have we seen a run game where Josh Allen is a leading rusher? Yeah. Like, like so many times. Like, so there's only, if you make a team one-dimensional, you saw it all across the league last week. Like, if you make a team one-dimensional, most of the time they're going to end up losing because you know exactly what they're going to do. And that's just – it's just such a mystery because, yes, the injuries for sure. But are they losing confidence? That's the bigger thing that I want to know. Are they losing confidence within themselves to be like, hey, we actually are at the top of the AFC race. We just need to fix some things. That's the biggest thing for teams when you lose – a few, you lose two or three, three or four, whatever it is, you lose three in a row. Uh, I've been on teams like that before. The biggest thing is just getting your mojo back, just getting one win, right? Like, don't yeah. think about the rest of the season. The season's really long. And that's what Josh Allen said, was like, hey, the season's long. Don't worry about that. Just worry about what's going on this week. Take it one play at a time, one rep at a time in practice, and just see if you can build this thing up to where you do gain the confidence back. Because when you gain the confidence back in the National Football League, that's when teams are scary, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but th this has been going on. And, and listen, I, I don't know what the updated numbers are through this season, but you mentioned the lack of a running game. Going into this season, since Josh Allen was drafted in 2018, they had the second fewest rushing touchdowns in the NFL over that time span. And they haven't done much to, wow. to change that. So yeah. uh, that, that is a problem. They are, they are not multidimensional on offense. They are, they are not balanced. It is basically Josh Allen doing everything. And speaking yeah. of someone doing everything um, – no, that was the big question in Baltimore going in this year. How is Lamar Jackson going to fit in to this new Todd Munkin offense? And Sunday 
he was a conductor of a symphony against a really good Detroit Lions defense, a really good Detroit Lions defense. And uh, it, um, it, just, it just was it – was, it was a master class on yeah. how he's conducting himself in that new offense. What, what was your takeaway uh, from what we saw from Lamar? Because that was an M- – he's, he's, he's in that conversation now as one of the top three guys for the MVP. Well, I mean, there's no question about that. And when I, when I actually went back and looked at the All-22 film and broke it down and, and just, just watched, I mean, it was a master class of just yeah. pure execution. And it wasn't like guys were screaming wide open. Of course, there were some plays where there were just some drops and stuff. But the way he got through his reads, the way he was able to move around in the pocket, I think he held the ball for like nine and a half seconds on the touchdown to Nelson Aguilar where he was just scrambling around. I timed oh, it, it on forever. my it I timed crazy. it on my phone. I yeah. timed my phone. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then them just working at the back. Like that to me is vintage Lamar Jackson. And honestly, Lamar has played pretty decent this entire year, right? Like the, the Ravens, yeah. let's give them their flowers. And they're finally starting to play really good on defense, led by Roquan Smith. But at the end of the day, my biggest issue going into that game was that I didn't trust the receivers for the Baltimore Ravens. And then you yeah. look in what Zay Flowers did. OBJ got some. Rashad Bateman looked about as good as I've seen him look in a Raven uniform. Like if you're looking back, and everyone knows what Mark Andrews can do, but if you're looking back – and you're a Baltimore Ravens fan, like that's a really good Detroit Lions defense too. They're top 10 in the league. They've made huge strides. You saw what they did opening night against Kansas City, right? And then Baltimore goes out and puts 35 in the first half. I watched the first half and I turned it off because I'm like, it's 35 to nothing. And they ran 35 plays and scored a point a play. I mean, it was like, it was unbelievable. It was one of the best offensive performances of the year. And that without a doubt threw him right in the thick, if not at the front of the MVP discussion. Well, and let's talk about that defense, right? They came into the week. No one had more sacks than them. They got five. So I think they're the, the top sack wow. team in the NFL right That's now. Um, yeah, they got five against a, against a pretty good Lions team. And look, I'm, I'm not down on the Lions. Shit happens sometimes, no. right? No. They just it ran happens. into a buzzsaw. There's nothing you can do. The Lions, I think, are a good team. But the Ravens are now like everyone. You know, we, we started the season with well, the Chiefs and probably the Bengals and the Bills, uh, you know, and no, it's it's probably right now Dude. Chiefs, Ravens, Dolphins, right? Those are the top yeah. three teams yeah. at, at this yeah. at this stage in the season. Are what are your concerns about Miami? Because here we have a team that was rolling everybody, and you and I were laughing at the eight eight yards of play and the gap between first and second was worse <laughs> than second and 30, 30 second, which is insane. Um, they played two good teams, or teams that we think are good and going to be in the postseason. And they got beat by both of them. Now, look, I get it. Not only beat, uh, smashed by them. Smashed yeah. by them. They didn't just get beat. They got bullied. Well, they got, they got boat raced by, by yeah. freaking Buffalo. And they got, they got yeah. beat up a little bit by, by the yeah. Eagles. Now, look, I, I will concede two things, right? Number one, their offensive line went into that game really banged up. And then they lost Isaiah Wynn. So that, that, that was not the offensive line. But, but you know what? Yeah. Everyone has injuries. We just talked about with Nick Bolton and the, and the Chiefs. you got to find a way to get by it. The refs did not help their cause. And we'll get into that in a minute. I mean, how do you miss that obvious face mask where the guy's head, Wilson's head turns around that sideways. That could have, huge that, play in the game. That could have changed the complexion of the game. I, I concede all of that to Miami fans. But at the end of the day, you play two good teams and you haven't done it. So I'm now in the camp. This is all great and I love everything, but I'll take you seriously when you take a serious opponent and take them down. 
And I, I think you listened to the head coach, Mike McDaniel, and, you, and, and after the game he was like, look, we're going to learn way more about ourselves from this loss than any other win or any record-setting offense that we can have. And I'm of the opinion that I'm not too worried about them. Look, Philly is top three, four team in the National Football League right now. Okay, Buffalo yeah. was a perfect storm going on the road in division. I get it. But at yeah. the end of the day, you got to make more plays. And, and the story of the game, obviously, was the offensive line, the injuries, the sacks. But if you look at the last, like, their two losses, they've allowed eight sacks, four sacks a game. Usually, two yeah. is not getting touched. It's the fastest yeah. time to throw the football in, he in was, like, he the was, last, he was like, the five least, years. He was the least pressured quarterback going into this game. The least yep. pressured quarterback in the NFL. And it's been those two games against two good teams at that time where he's, yeah. he's basically – Almost all of his sacks are coming those two games. Well, and you look at the you look at the Philadelphia Eagles. They were the second most pressure rate with 110 pressures on quarterbacks going into that game. So mm-hmm. it was strength for strength, and the strength of the Philadelphia Eagles front line. I mean, which is absurd. One out. I mean, one out. Like not even yeah. close. And, and 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 that's the biggest thing is like. I've seen Tua struggle when he can't throw his first or maybe second read. If the first read isn't open on time, that's what he's done so well. He's put a master class on film and the symphony of like throwing on time in rhythm early, letting these dagger routes go on like one hitch down the field to Tyreek. But if Tyreek gets hemmed up or Jalen Waddle gets hemmed up, you're seeing him have to hold it that extra half of a second and that extra half of a second, the picture gets blurry to him. That's what I'm most worried about a little bit is like, okay, look, you could, everyone can go back there and you're doing an amazing job. I'm not saying that you're not Tua, but everyone can go back there and be like, hey, first read wide open. Okay, he's getting to his second read. But if you need to get to that third read, second or third read, it gets a little blurry for him when he feels that pocket push, even if it's not sacks. We've talked about this before. It's pressure rate. It's pressure percentage. Getting home is just, is just you know, it, it's, it's a plus on it. But when you can get pressure on Tua like that, and I think that's the recipe for success, not blitzing, not blitzing, yeah. keeping seven in coverage and getting yeah. your front four to get after the quarterback against Tua, I think that's the answer. Yeah, and again, it's easier. It's, it's much easier to do that when your offensive line is beat up. I understand it. Yeah. And, and but that's why. See, everyone loves sacks, right? Well, we all love sacks. Don't get me wrong. But everybody loves sacks. But but pressure is a is a more compelling statistic that shows how you can win games. Like you can get okay. a sack in a bunch of stupid different ways. But if you're constantly moving that quarterback off his spot, and as you said, it, he doesn't get comfortable and he feels blurry, then that's a much more definitive way to show the, towards winning a game it's sacks sacks are great don't you put them on the ground but you you'll want to make that dude uncomfortable and that's what the eagles do better than almost anyone and they did it uh sunday night and we'll see what happens going forward with the dolphins as they try and fix that offensive line i think it is time ladies and gentlemen for the tyson bajan portion of the program mm. the mm. undrafted rookie uh, won the Division Three? Was it the Harlan Hill Award, which is the Heisman Trophy for whatever division that is? I, I can't even no remember what idea. division it was. No, it, no, it wasn't English Premier League. Okay, that's that's the division <laughs> it wasn't. Okay, so this kid comes in because Justin Fields has a has the problem with his wrist. The Bears have lost sixteen of their last seventeen games, and this guy comes on. The offense looks functional. Everything yeah. looks great. Uh, Granted, it was the Raiders, and you have a breakdown on that that you need to share with people. But yeah. what what did we learn uh, in this game? Is it more about the Bears? Is it about Bajent? Or is it about the Raiders? 
Well, I think we learned a little bit about all three, and I'll tell you what, and I'm going to start with Bajent. I think Bajent did a really good job, and this is what we talk about, and I broke it down and telestrated it. It's on the YouTube channel, and all I wanted to show people was like, look, this is what a backup should do. Come in, run the offense, be efficient, play a clean game. Like you would know anything about being a, a backup. You know what, what are you talking just, about? You just got to play a clean game, man. You can't turn the ball over. And he did make some hero throws. There was like two, yeah. maybe three hero throws. He completed 18 balls. But for the most part, he just looked like he was throwing on time, in rhythm. And to the Bears' defense, their offense has looked way different the last three games. And Justin Fields... Yeah. Played really well the last three games. Obviously, the dislocated thumb, not great. Hate to have it. But when you look at Tyson Bajit and you break down the entire game, one thing that stood out to me the most, they had a run game. They yeah. had a run game, and they, they just stuck with it. They had screens. They had draws. They had nakeds. They had bootlegs. And it was just – it kept the Raiders off Kelter all day long. And then you go back and you say, hey, is, is Tyson Bajit QB1 for, for the Bears? Do the Bears need to start him the rest of the year? Do they need to tank so they can get Caleb Williams? All these things, I'm like, guys, that's not for me to come decide. Yeah, that's not for yeah. me to decide, but, like, come on. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, 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 all that stood out for me was, like, the dude played himself into a role in the coming years as a, as a really decent, if not yeah. good, backup quarterback. Yeah. And that's what you do as a backup. And you've seen it all around the league right now. So many backups are coming in. Don't lose the game. Just don't yeah. lose the game. You don't have to be special. Like when special happens, that's great. But just stay the course. Let the run game work. Let your defense work. And then on the other side of the ball, you look at the Raiders. As I'm breaking this down, I'm thinking in my mind, man, the Raiders, they're a all their defensive coordinator and, and Mike, all they're going to do is they're going to show them all sorts of different looks. They're going to pressure from every different type of way. You're going to see, dude, it was cover three and cover four and five man rush. I'm like, are they running their training camp install? Because if I'm an undraft, if I'm going against an undrafted rookie free agent and I'm one of the players up front, I'm Max Crosby. I want to show him as many different looks as humanly possible to get the picture blurred to him. Not the case at no. all. Very little pre-snap rotation. They just stood there and just took it. And it was like, okay, yeah. here we go. Yeah, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense in any way, shape, or form. Um, uh, what I don't understand is, like, first of all, Tyson Bajan, great. But now what? People have tape on you. Like, no, I have tape on Tyson Bajan. So it's yeah. going to be much more difficult to replicate yeah. if this – I mean, that the first – that's why you see all these, these quarterbacks come in and go, whoa, this kid did everything. And then they watch tape. And they're like, we're going to take that away. We're going to take that away. So we'll see what happens going. Great story this week. Fabulous. Love it. Dad, arm wrestler, all that kind of stuff. Which Fantastic. Insane. Which is insane. By the way, it up. 28. He, his dad has won 28 world champions in arm wrestling. And I did not know this, but oh. there, there, are, there are championships for the right arm and for the left arm. And he apparently is ambidextrous because he can win with both arms. He's won can multiple double arm championships double with arm both championship? arms. That, that, <laughs> I don't. How would that even just work? Saying, how would that I, work? I, I don't I, know. Logistically, how would that work? I don't. I don't think I don't want to make that happen. But yeah. give give Tyson Bajan all the love. It was awesome. Dude, like I said, tat it up. But this was really more about the Raiders. Like, yeah. First, first of all. Josh McDaniels has managed to piss off Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams, which is amazing. Like, good job on both of those wide receivers. And to not change up those defenses, uh, that's, that's criminal, right? 
It's bad I mean, in Vegas right now. It's bad in Vegas right now. That that that's true. But you just go back and just like football one on one, and uh, I know you're trying to maybe simplify on defense because there's a lot of newer guys playing and, and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, dude, you got to have something that you haven't shown on film to show these guys and Tyson Bajan and the Bears and just make him uncomfortable. Even if it's an all-out pressure, just like, hey, we're coming after you all game long and just like blitz or like put everyone up in the line and, and fake and go out like the Minnesota Vikings, at least just like mix up the picture and make it blurry on him. And you saw, I mean, at least from my perspective, when I broke down every snap, I saw 0% of that. All right, time now for rapid fire. And I find these fascinating. So let's start with this one. <laughs> Fill in the blank. The Pittsburgh Steelers are contenders. Ah, Maybe. Are they really? They're are they? Too. I don't know, man. With that defense, look, look, defense yeah. wins championships. Sort of old school mentality, right? But yeah. look, I went on NFL Network on Friday, and I had to break this game down. Okay, this Steelers Rams game, and it was a lot of people picking the Rams. I'm like, okay, listen, I get Matthew Stafford's having a good year. I get that Puka and Cooper and all these guys, Tutu Atwell, are doing great. But it's the still curtain, baby. Like, at the end of the day, they're winning games on defense. Just Kenny Pickett. And this is what I said. Throw the ball to George Pickens every <laughs> single time, and you shall be successful, good sir. And what did he do? He had, like, ten targets. Like, dude, you were listening. You were listening to us. Like, And it helped. Listen, it helped with Deontay Johnson back. Like, obviously, sure. like, Pickens can be Pickens. But he's just like, I love that guy. Like, do I think that there's still a lot to be left unsaid about Kenny Pickett? Yeah. Like, do I still need to see this? Yeah, but that defense, man. And it's Tomlin at the at the helm. Like, I like him. I think they're contenders. All right, well, look, here's the deal. They're coming off a bye, and that's the most surest thing in football. They haven't lost uh, off a bye since 2016. They've won seven straight seasons coming off their bye. That's the longest active streak in the NFL. T.J. Watt dropped back in coverage and almost had a pick six. That's how good T.J. Watt is. J.J., we still think someone might be better, but we still want to have you on the show. But T.J. Watt is very good. Let's just be clear about that. (laughs) I do have concerns. You and I had the same text going on Sunday, which is like that offense was MIA for three plus quarters. Now, granted, they made the plays that they had to, and they didn't. They got a little help from the referees on that fourth and one, which I still don't quite understand. But I, I got to see more consistency on offense. I think I think they're yeah. going to make things uncomfortable for people. And Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, but I still I still need to see more for for me to take them seriously against a team like Kansas City, against a team like Miami, against yeah. uh, against those kind of teams. I, I'm going to need to see more from them. So you All would right, say, so though, one word, one word, you would say, because I said contenders, what would your one word? The Pittsburgh Steelers are blank. In, one word. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. I like that one. Okay. They're, okay, yeah, they're yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. You right, have right, my right. attention. You now have do more. My attention. I like it. Okay. How about this one? The Bengals, Jets, Bucks, and Texans are all three and three. Where do you rank those teams? Bengals. Like, Bengals yeah. for sure. I think yeah. they're going to go on a run. I think Texans. they will. Too. Texans. Texans too. I like the Texans a I lot, too. man. Like I do that too. CJ Stroud's been amazing. Scheme, CJ Stroud, D'Amico Rounds getting that defense back. I like it. I think they're gonna make some noise. Don't know if they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll make some noise. The Jets and then the Bucks. To me, I, I was never like, look, I like what Baker's doing, but I, I just look at them the Bucks, and we said this earlier. They're just the Bucks. Like, they're just the Bucks. Yeah. And then yeah. the Jets can make some noise. They're still a quarterback away from being great, in my opinion. Like Zach Wilson, yes, you've made strides. 
And yes, I applaud you for that because it's hard to play quarterback in the National Football League, but I still need to see more. But it's Bengals, Texans, Jets, Bucks. What about you? I, I Absolutely the Bengals, although their offensive line still is a concern. And Joe Burrow, you know, that calf injury, and he says it's felt great, but it takes one thing. And, it, and that's, yeah. that, this, that, that injury is like Justin Herbert's fractured rib cartilage a year ago. It's never going to be good until you have a month and a half to rest. You know, yeah. that's, that's going to Which is never. You're on, your, you're on your feet the whole time. Correct. So that's going to linger forever. I still put them number one. I, I have to put the Jets second um, just because mm-hmm. that defense is so suffocating. Now, I, yeah, you know I don't buy into Robert Salas. We've embarrassed all the quarterbacks. Tamper it down. But I have to put them there. The Texans, I love. I love. And I love C.J. Stroud, especially for all the heat that he got coming out of the draft. And could he do this? Could he do that? He's answered the question. I'm with you on the Bucks. If Desmond Ritter didn't have three red zone fumbles, that game's a blowout. Yeah, a I blowout, agree. okay, at home. So, yeah, the Bucks have been fine, and Baker's been a nice story. But uh, I would definitely put them 4-4. And now comes the most important part of the entire podcast. What are we doing? We're breaking down the handshake between Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes. They have a secret buddy handshake, okay? How many how many teammates, when you were playing, did you have a secret handshake with? I mean, a few, a few, but I've been right, playing with them forever. Forever. So this is a new thing. It kind of looked like Taylor was trying to walk Brittany through it. Like I'm looking at like, it right no, now, yeah. and okay. I'm just saying, like, Brittany looks completely lost, first of all. Yes. Like, well, first of all... Taylor has to take the lead because it's Taylor Swift. She's Taylor. She's Taylor. But She's like, Taylor. you look exactly. at this and like, can I get a little bit like more creativeness and learn the handshake faster? Like every guy that I've yeah. had that have done it, we've been like, oh, da, da, da. this is. I'm watching this One video time. from Barstool Sports, and she's trying to show him. And I don't know. It just seems a little fishy. Like she knows everyone in the world is watching her. Like Taylor. No. The and, hell you say? And she's at a suite with the window yeah. open in front yeah. of the world. Trying to teach, I don't know. It's a little weird. Yeah. It's a little weird. And the, the handshake wasn't even that good. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I, I think it's a work in progress. Okay. I think it's a work, much like the relationship between someone and someone seems to be a work in progress. There, People Magazine did have a picture. Did, I don't know if you saw it. Peck on the cheek after the what? game. We've he got a peck on the cheek. Pe- well, that's what we know. Um, what? Other things might have happened. We don't know. I'm not sure. But we have visual proof of a kiss on the cheek with Nicole Hardman and his girlfriend. So their thing, things are taking up a notch. That, that handshake needs to move up a notch. It needs yeah. to get a little smoother. It needs to be like Mahomes to Kelsey on the field. That Mahomes to Swift yes. move needs to be a little more, needs, needs to be more in rhythm. Needs to be more in rhythm. Yeah. Put it together. Yeah, I, I think, um, but like that, I don't know. After I see all these like pecks on the cheeks and these videos of Travis and Taylor, I'm starting yeah. to think it's like pretty real, man. I don't know. Well, it's it, there's there's then, these people out there, these Swifties that are like, ah, it's just for clicks. She has a movie coming out. She's an AMC, which is in Leewood, Kansas. She's promoting her yeah. movies. Guys, just let let him let them be in love. Let them be she in went, love. She went. She's watched the Jets. Uh, against this, like think about the yeah. teams that she's watched. Uh, that that's that's a sign of the commitment of the relationship. The game she's showing up for. Okay, the game the game she's showing up for. That so tells true. you that there, there's a serious level of commitment here. So we'll see what happens. All right, we are committed to this show. Bring it to you every week. Hope you enjoy the episode, buddy. I'll talk to you in the week. And we'll talk to you next week as well. All right, buddy. See you later. 